Hello, everyone. I'm Brendan Marcel. This is the Auburn Undercover Roundtable. Thanks for joining us. Joining me, as always, is Auburn Undercover publisher Ronnie Sanders, recruiting analyst Keith Niebuhr, and the one and only uh, Philip Marshall, uh-huh. the Dean of Auburn Writers. Uh, guys, Auburn uh, coming off a huge season opening win, as everybody knows, 21-16 against Washington. Um, a game that the the outcome's not surprising, obviously. Uh, we kind of figured it'd be a tough back-and-forth game. But uh, for me, just my general thoughts, we'll go around the table here. Uh, I thought Auburn was pretty dominant in that first quarter and a half and probably should have been up two or three touchdowns instead of it being so close. I thought they certainly had an opportunity to. I'm sure Washington also says, man, got inside the 10-yard line three times in the second half and didn't get the three points. I uh I thought that uh, the the biggest thing about the game to me was that the, the, the winning the game when it came down to it. I, I think that was very valuable for Auburn to uh, uh, the game's on the line and they go and, and make the big drive and win the game and then make the big stop and then and then run out the clock running the ball. I I thought that really more than anything else stood out to me. That really helps the team, and you saw it in 2013 with Auburn. You know. They have to come back against Washington State, hold them off, and then obviously the uh, touchdown pass in the latter seconds against Mississippi State, and that really became their their kind of M.O. the rest of the season, uh, especially, yeah. of course, as we knew against uh, Texas A&M and then big time against Georgia and Alabama. They learned from that, and they continue to win that way. And maybe Auburn, when they get in these close games, they can do the same exact thing they did against the Huskies this weekend. Yeah, I thought it was an, an outstanding game, and I, you know, I've heard people say – you know, well, Auburn's offense didn't do this, and the secondary struggled here. And, and well, well, that's true. It almost seems, and I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with me, but it, it almost seems like sometimes people forget who you're playing. Yeah, <laughs> Who you're playing is going right. to dictate a lot of what you can and can't do. I mean, I know that sounds sounds so basic and so obvious, but I swear it seems like people forget that these days. As a matter of fact, I was reading on ESPN.com the takeaways from all the top 25 teams, and you know, some of the teams were very, what the, the words were very glowing. And then, you know, I looked to see who they played and there were, you know, football championship subdivision teams. Well, I mean, you can't tell anything from those games. Guys, it's hard enough to tell what kind of team Auburn's going to have and what kind of team Washington's going to have. There's still a lot to be written, as Philip would say. And, uh, but yet we know that there are a lot of guys on these two teams that are going to be playing on Sundays. We know that these coaches have proven track records and we know they have returning quarterbacks that can play so i just thought it was a, an outstanding win where there were highs and lows like there are against any good team you play i mean you know this wasn't charleston southern this wasn't Wofford, and no disrespect to those schools but this was a legitimate team with a lot of guys that are going to be playing on sunday and quite frankly we're going to find out a lot about washington next week when they play utah but this you know it looks like a team capable of winning 10 or more games i think it's a, a very good win well, I, you're you're exactly right, Keith. And the, uh, one one of Pat Dye's favorite sayings was, was was who you play has a lot to do with how you look, and uh, and there's no question that's true. And I, I I think some of the the uh, the opinions that have been extrapolated from some of these blowout games, or I, I don't know how you do it. Just like you're not going to get anything, you're not going to learn anything much about Auburn Saturday night. Well, what's going to be not funny, but what's going to happen here in week two, there's a couple more big games 
Um, and then you're even going to see some of these teams that had huge week ones that play lesser opponents that maybe take, quote-unquote, a step back, at least on the scoreboard, and you're going to have analysts overanalyzing that as yeah. well. Happens every year from week one to week two. We always tend to forget that. We always talk about the huge overreactions for week one, but there's just as many in week two because it usually goes the opposite way for a few teams. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any question. And if you ask most coaches, they'll, they'll all tell you that you, know, you make the mo- season – Season-wise, you make the most improvement between game one and game two, no matter what it looks like on film. Um, you get a lot more corrections after week one than you do after any other week. So um, I agree completely. There'll be a lot of overreaction after after Saturday. And with the way that game ended, guys, uh, we all watched it, of course. But Auburn struggling to run the ball. Washington's defense had a lot to do that. Obviously, there's still some things for Auburn to figure out up front with its offensive line, just as far as even chemistry and communication. But I think what was really impressive about this victory for Auburn is not only did they do it and hold them off in the latter seconds, but on third down, they decide, let's go ahead and just run the ball. We see something we like here, and let's give it to Jartavius Whitlow, who's only had six carries the entire game, has played less than maybe a dozen snaps. Let's put him in this situation, and boy, did he deliver. I thought that was uh, quite the crunch time spot, and he even mentioned his heart was racing when they told him to go on the field and he knew the play. Yeah, I mean, not only six plays in that game, six plays of college football or six carries. I mean, that's, uh, that's the first game he's ever played. It was uh, – that was amazing to me. It just – it's – uh. uh those kind of things, <laughs> kind of like the all-out blitz that basically ended the game. Uh, you uh, you look like a genius if it works. <laughs> if it doesn't, you don't look you don't look so good. Yeah, I liked uh, Kevin Steele's explanation there. It's just <laughs> like we're going to end the game here. That the, with the time that's remaining right now, you know, you go all out, and if they score, well, you got some more time on the clock for your offense. If you kind of lollygag around and drop some guys and let them pick up a first down and extend things, you give your offense less time. So let's just go out and end the game right now and blitz them. I, I like they, that. And they did. He never had a prayer. Never. I, I, I thought the Whitlow play was fantastic, but also I have to say it does bring to the forefront. On the one hand, it's great. Hey, look, ran the ball third down, big touchdown run. On the other hand, I think it, the fact that they would go to that shows you that in the red zone, Auburn's passing game, even though they got the Canella touchdown early in the game, it's still some of the same issues. Now, granted, this was a good defense they play. There's no question about that. But some of the same issues are rearing their head with the inefficiency to get the ball in the end zone in the red, in the red zone. Perhaps this will open things up with the passing game. I, I don't know, but uh, – it was an outstanding play. He's a hard runner. There's no question about that. When you look back to his high school film, he played multiple positions. But the one thing he always did was run hard and, and run until the, he couldn't run anymore. So credit to, credit to the whole team on that one. But again, as somebody who, you know, we've watched their red zone inefficiencies, I, I keep thinking, you know, they really do struggle to get, get passing plays in the end zone, in the red zone. So that's something I'm going to be watching closely the next few weeks obviously this week it shouldn't be an issue but moving forward you wonder if they can get that kind of fixed a little bit yeah they've really got to run the ball they really got to run the ball yeah according to chip Lindsay, missouri missouri i don't say that what happens when you get old you call washington missouri washington was uh dropping a lot of people in the in the red zone in fact if you look at the if you look at the uh the winning touchdown 
there weren't many people in the box and, uh, he really, he really wasn't slowed down until he got to the safety there about the three yard line and ran over him. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they knew exactly what to do in the red zone to kind of stifle, stifle Auburn. It was, it's almost like, you know, in basketball, unless you have a big receiver back there to throw, you know, the ball into the paint, so to speak, against the zone, it's hard to bust that zone in such a tight space for the football team. But they did it with Sal Canelo high point in the ball earlier. I'm interested to see just what kind of tweaks maybe they make just with the passing game uh, in the red zone. In addition to, you know, they want to run the ball better, which they're going to have to, but credit Washington's defense as well with that. I mean, I, I was very impressed by the, the job the offensive line did in pass protection. Um, they, they only gave up a few pressures and with those RPOs, what people forget is that people see a pass they go, well, there was only, you know, 36 passes or whatever it was. Well, no, with those RPOs, there's actually more drop back, so to speak, even though he's not dropping back, that they're rushing the passer. Jarrett Stidham bought time, and I was looking at some analytics from Pro Football Focus and, you know, think what you want with them. But just as far as time to pressure, which is the amount of time Jarrett Stidham was able to, one, get good pass protection, but also extend the play himself before throwing the ball away or even completing a pass. It was the second best mark in the entire SEC this past weekend, which is saying something considering all the low quality opponents that SEC teams played this past year or this past week. So I think that's a very positive sign for the offensive line and pass protection. But I think the one big thing they got to work on, obviously, is some run blocking, even though, as I said, they just went up against a top five rush defense from last season with a lot of returning starters. I think that's one of the reasons I think the end of the game was so valuable. Because they, they won the game and ended the game running the ball. Uh, and they ended the game running the ball when they knew they were going to run it, and they still did it. And uh, uh, I thought that was very important. And, and I, you know, I don't know. Steve Spurrier was a genius at throwing the ball into the end zone in the red zone. But I don't know many teams that are very good at throwing it into, into in there in the red zone. Uh, Virginia Tech looked pretty good against Florida State. Most teams want to be able to run it in. Well, they they did, they went seven seven straight possessions, three and out. So <laughs> at the first quarter, but uh, uh, I think that's, it's just hard to do. And Steve uh, Spurrier, uh, like I said, was the best at it I ever saw, and uh, I heard a lot of other coaches say that too. Yeah, he 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 was phenomenal back in when he was at Florida. You couldn't stop it. All right, speaking, guys. Speaking yeah. of red zone plays, if I could just, Brandon, that the best red zone play of the day for Auburn that nobody's talking about was Daryl Williams. I think that the tip pass oh, on the incredible. other. I mean, that, that was just, an, I mean, that guy was wide open for Washington. That was just such an amazing play. Yeah, you and I were sitting in the yeah. press box. And we saw that and it was just like, that may have saved the game right there. Oh, um, no er, everybody no everybody talks about Nick Coe's strip sack, that but that play. play that play, I mean, he was wide open, and if he's not streaking across the field, busting his tail and putting that arm up, that that may have been game over for Auburn. And he's got the great length, and you wonder why on an outside backer sometimes you want you want a little extra length. It's not just to get to the quarterback. I mean, if if his if Daryl Williams doesn't have those super long arms, I mean, boy, he barely got that ball to begin with. That was just a hell of a play. He's, he is he, he is an underrated player. He's a really good football player, and. uh not real well known, I don't guess nationally, but he's a he's he's a heck of a player. Well, that entire Auburn defense uh, played their tails off, and I think it's a great sign for 
defensive line depth that, uh, you know, they had five sacks total, four by defensive linemen, and all four by the defensive line were by different players. Uh, a lot of good rotation, a lot of guys stepping up on different spots on the field, and uh, I don't think there was anything prettier than those final three plays on Washington's offense. They drop Miles Gaskin for a loss, then they bring the blitz on two straight plays, and that very last one, I mean, Jake Browning, as soon as he got the ball, he was dead to rights. Yep. Um, so, guys, I was talking about week one overreactions. I wanted to talk about LSU a little bit because LSU is Auburn's next big game after this Alabama State game, uh, part of this four-game homestand for Auburn. LSU whips up on Miami, uh, a game where the final score doesn't really show just how close it was. Uh, LSU didn't put amazing offensive stats up if you just want to look at the box score, but you watch that game. LSU just absolutely dominated Miami on both sides of the line in the line of scrimmage, and that LSU defensive line is incredible. How much can we actually read into this victory by LSU? And is LSU a legitimate team that will be maybe in the top 10 when they actually come to Jordan-Hare Stadium? I I think it's somewhere in between. Uh, uh, and I thought LSU was really impressive. I, I agree with you. But uh, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm a long way from being sold on their quarterback. I mean, been a lot of praise for him, but uh, – you know, and, he, and he, he made a couple of good throws early, but he didn't really do a lot after that. And, uh, I'm, you know, Miami has quarterback issues. Uh, and it's, they, it's amazing what they got out of him last year. But I, they just didn't look very, they, I don't know, I don't know what it was. They, they just didn't look, uh, they didn't look like they were ready for the intense kind of effort you need in a game that way. I guess that's the way I would put it. It was like they got, they kind of got knocked back on their heels and never, never struck back. Yeah, it, it, they, they just. I thought Miami was overmatched in, in, in every way. I mean, as it was put to me by a, by a defensive, an SEC defensive coordinator, he said the dip and dodge defense was finally exposed. Um, you know, they just Miami couldn't do anything, um, and so I think you know, obviously they've got quarterback issues, but I don't think Miami's nearly as good as 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 they're ranked. So, um, or as they were ranked. So I think LSU is probably getting a little bit more credit than, than it's due, but I also think LSU maybe is a little bit better than than uh, than what everybody thought. So maybe a little bit I, of both. I was surprised at how well LSU ran the ball. I, I, I was, you know, they they really didn't have a, a running back that had ever done anything. Uh, yep. The and uh, uh, I, that surprised me a little bit. Uh, I wasn't surprised. I expected them to be really good on defense, and I think they'll be really good on defense at Jordan Air Stadium and. Uh, I was surprised by how well they ran the ball, and I was more surprised just at how, how bad Miami did everything. I mean, Miami and Florida State both they did about every single thing you can do that is pretty guaranteed to lose you a game. Yeah, Miami Miami blitzed. Manny Diaz's defense blitzed more than 60% of the time in that game. Isn't Manny Diaz the one that got canned at, at, at Texas after giving up like 500 yes. yards rushing to BYU? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of coaches who 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 aren't big fans of his or his scheme. Um, so yeah, same guy. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. take the if I could just take the contrarian side here. You guys are gonna eat me alive. But I, I actually, when I look back at that game, I, I wasn't, and I know a lot of these LSU kids. I covered them in recruiting. Fantastic kids. Uh, good players, but you know Miami. It's three three. Miami drives down, blows a chance to go ahead. Miami shot themselves in the foot so much. 
end of the first half, should have had the ball near midfield, two straight penalties. I, I, a lot of wide open guys. Let's not forget that Auburn, uh, excuse me, Miami had a lot of guys open that whole game. I think LSU had a couple of long runs. If you take those away, Joe Burrow under 50% hit the same passes that all these other LSU quarterbacks. Other than that really didn't do too much to me. I I think it's a little bit of fool's gold. They look like an eight and five team to me. We'll see. I could be totally wrong, but I I just, I'm not, I'm not buying that one at all. And I think in Miami, obviously (laughs) like Phillips said, did everything they could do to lose that game. And I think that contributed it as well. I just, I don't think it was the, that Miami got as pushed around as people were saying. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but that's my that's the the way I saw it. Well, if they're eight and five, yeah, yeah. If if they're eight and five, I think you're probably gonna have a new AD and a new head coach there. Man, I don't I don't think eight and five is gonna be good enough. Wow, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> it's uh, no, that that one uh, that, like I said, the the biggest thing out of that game that surprised me the most was. How she ran the ball, and uh, I don't know. That's it. I, I would be shocked if, if they could run it that way on Auburn, but we'll see. The right side of Miami's defensive line wanted no part of that LSU offensive line. Yeah, they 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 were just getting pushed around. Um, but we'll see here uh, in a little over a week when LSU comes to Auburn uh, for what will pro- maybe be a top ten matchup in the polls. And we'll get to see uh, what LSU's really made of. I think Auburn's proven that they're uh, a top five quality program right now after beating Washington. I just I don't know about LSU yet. Um, I didn't rank them as high as other people did in their AP polls just because watching that Miami team and their quarterback situation, that was not a top five team. And I, I was completely overrating. Miami heading into the season. Now Miami's lost four straight games dating back to last season. Their defense has been soft uh, during that time, giving up a lot of points, and uh, LSU is just the latest team to do that. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I want to go around one more time, guys, here. What what other impressions did you get from teams across the SEC or even across the nation uh, from this first weekend? Did anything else stick out to you? Well, I thought Alabama, obviously. Uh so, you know, and I picked them to score in the 40s, which really they did because one of the touchdowns was a kick return. Uh, so they scored 40-something on But as I said, I, when I saw that Louisville had hired Brian Van, Brian Van Gorder, I, I've seen that show before and uh, looked quite familiar, actually. He's, he's, coached, <laughs> against, he's, he's coached against Alabama twice at Auburn and and, uh, and Louisville and given up a cool 100 points. So, uh uh, it didn't surprise me at all that Alabama scored like that. And I, I think, you know, I, I heard somebody say that Alabama was going to put, put 50 on everybody they play. I don't, I don't believe that for a second. I, I, I did expect that maybe Louisville would, would, uh, would be able to score more than they did because Alabama lost a lot of people on defense. They had some guys hurt on defense and, uh, they, they were still really impressive uh, in that game. And, uh, uh, so that, that obviously was impressive. I, you know, Ole Miss is going to be hard to stop. Now I don't know if they'll stop anybody, but they're going to be they. That quarterback's good. They got really good receivers, and at least in that game, they had a good running back. I think they so, got the best receivers in the SEC. Ole Miss, they're, they're incredible. Of course, Texas Tech. David Gibbs is the defensive coordinator at Texas Tech, and I've seen that show before too. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
But, what did you uh, uh, What did you think of Jim? What do you think of Jimbo Fisher's first start? I know it was just against Northwestern State, and they play Clemson this week. By gosh, but what did you think about them going to the pro style there, and how that worked out? I thought it worked out good against that team. Uh, we'll see against uh, real teams, uh, <laughs> but but I mean, I, I thought that they, it, I thought it uh, they executed well, and uh, maybe, maybe they'll be able to pull it off. And we'll see. Yeah, you know, I. I I'm really curious to see that game this week. Not necessarily. Certainly, Texas A&M doesn't have to win that game to have a good team. But I'm just curious to see how their how their offense looks against that team. That's because that's a whole different scenario, obviously. Well, you know, yeah. Clemson may have to. Uh, sorry, Ronnie. Clemson may have to win that game because the way the ACC looked in Week One, there may not be too many too many mulligans out there. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I'm not sure a one loss ACC team. Is gonna is again snap judgments obviously, but uh, Clemson if they want to get in the playoff, I think they better they better take care of business this weekend. I'd probably agree with that. I mean, I, you know, I, I thought I thought A and M, you know, for 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 a first game under a new head coach playing who they were playing, I thought they looked fine. I, I think we'll find out a lot more. I mean, it would shock me if they won more than you know nine games. Um, I think that'd be a pretty good. I think that'd be a pretty good year if they got to that number. Um, you know, I. What shocked me was how bad Florida State looked, um, yeah. and, and the mess that. Uh, I don't think that's all Willie Taggart. I think you know he certainly deserves deserves some blame for it. But I mean, you know, I, I had been hearing kind of the same things that the announcer said that it was you know it was kind of a fractured program that, that the players were fractured. It didn't look like to me that he'd healed a whole lot of the fractures. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Jimbo handles A and M. Um, and, and seeing if some of the things, you know, is he going to have the same kind of success he had at Florida State, or is it going to, you know, continue looking like seven and six when he when he left Tallahassee? So, I think that's one thing. Um, I thought Florida, you know, again it was it was a it was a cupcake opener, but I thought the fact that they were functional on both sides of the ball was uh, yeah was 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 nice to see. Uh, they had a actually had an offensive plan that worked, and um, you know, I, th- I think you know for. For all of his uh, personality flaws, uh, Dan Mullen has done a pretty good job in the conference. I think you got to give him credit. I'll tell you what, think, watch out for watch out for them. I I I just think they're going to pull an upset this year. They've got the talent, I think, and Dan Mullen always. I mean, he he's really good with that offense. Really good. He's always scoring points. I've seen the guy take a tight end at quarterback and win nine games. Uh, at Mississippi State, so I, I'm very interested to see what happens at Florida throughout this season. The thing that was shocking me about Florida State was, I mean, uh, they they just couldn't do anything on offense. I mean, not anything, and and their defense really played pretty well. I mean, they kept their offense kept giving the ball to uh, to Virginia Tech on the plus side of the field, and they kept stopping them for most of the th- really until. Uh, until they got stopped on one of the more bizarre plays I've ever seen in a clutch situation, uh, the the uh, whatever it was when they snapped the ball directly to the, to the running back and whatever happened, but it ended up on the ground. And uh, until then, Virginia Tech hadn't done anything on offense either since their first quarter. But Florida State's offense was just non-functional. It just might as well not. It was awful. Yeah, whoever was calling plays for whoever was calling plays for the offense must have picked out the uniforms too. <laughs> we can talk about the dysfunction within that program but you know really to me the we're floor the reason why florida state is where it is 
is for the simple fact that Jimbo was maybe a little too loyal to Rick Trickett, quite frankly, as the old offensive line coach there. And they took a lot of gambles. They didn't uh, they didn't do well recruiting at offensive line. They guys didn't develop. There were a lot of misses. And what you saw was the result of that the other day. Now against a lot of the ACC schedule, it may not matter. But they're probably going to have to line up and throw the ball a lot in a lot of these games and hope that Cam Akers can do what he did the other night by breaking a long run here or there. But they're in the mess they're in because that offensive line is absolutely pathetic. It would probably be the one of the two or three worst in the ace, in the SEC. Uh, and then, you know, when Willie Taggart came in, there's two ways a new coach can do it. He can kind of buddy up to everybody or they can do, go the opposite and, and run people off. And he went with the buddy up to guys. They play rap music in, in practices. They're trying to keep it loose. And you know, at the end of the day, you can do all those things and, and you can make the guys love you. But if you ain't producing, I mean, you know, Ronnie, people loved Ron Zook when he got to Gainesville. He was accessible. He was a, a rambunctious at booster functions. And if you're not winning at the level they don't want you to, you got problems. Now, the next thing, the other team that, that really my takeaway was the Tennessee's rebuild is going to be a long one. I, I I don't care what anybody says. I, I'm not seeing a whole ton of talent out there. Especially, oh, my God. I think you're right, Keith. I, I think you're right. Especially at the quarterback position. Last year's cycle wasn't great. And this year's cycle, there's a, a, only a few guys that most people agree. The consensus is they're big-time players, guys like Bo Nix. And and so what are they going to do? You're, you're looking for a quarterback to turn a program around, and there may not be one at this time. And ten, the fact that what that West Virginia was able at times to make it look so easy against them. And obviously that's a team with a veteran quarterback, a lot of good players, but West Virginia shouldn't go, shouldn't kill Tennessee ever. No, I mean, you look at the, at, at the, you know, Tennessee's history versus West Virginia's history and access to players and, and facilities and money and everything else. I mean, uh, I, Keith, I agree with you hundred percent. I think Tennessee's in for a long, long road. I mean, it's, it's, it's a mess and it's going to be a long time before it's cleaned up. All because they try to build a house brick by brick with a trash can. Am I getting that right? <laughs> well, champions of life, though. They are champions of life. Let's right. not forget Derek Dooley either. Uh, and, and oh, my goodness. That. Well, Dooley, never mind. Okay. Um, this, well, we'll, this... we'll, get, we'll get plenty of chances to see him, too, this year at, at, at Missouri. I'm really looking forward to that. Offense. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting. Um, so this week... What what game interests you guys the most? For me, it's Georgia and Carolina. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's the conference game. That's a, I mean, really, it's going to be uh, whoever wins that game because of the way the East, the makeup of the East. Whoever wins that game, it's going to be hard to keep her from winning the division. I mean, because they'll probably have to lose twice not to. And uh, but I don't think it's going to be all that close a game myself. I think Georgia. I think Georgia will handle them pretty well. I could be wrong, but, but what I think. Yeah, I agree with you, Philip. I um, I'm looking forward to the game, but I think that uh, I don't think it'll be that close. It's pretty exciting for you know if you're an Auburn fan and or if you worked in the Auburn athletic department or hung around the Auburn athletic department, you used to see Jake Bentley walking around, coming and yeah. visiting dad as a young high school player. And I know everybody's so proud of him. He's a fantastic young guy. Uh, but, you know, I ran into a Clemson person today, and, and the first thing they said was that, well, they don't have a chance. He's terrible. And he's far from terrible, by the way. He's very oh, yeah. good. He is very good, but he hasn't maybe won that signature game yet. So is he going to have that performance? You guys remember when they beat Alabama and Steven Garcia had the performance of a lifetime? Is that what it's going to take? Because, yeah, I agree with Philip. Uh, you know, Georgia looks 
looks, I mean, forget about what they did last week. We know the pieces they have. We know uh, if, you know, they've got a lot of the pieces back from last year. Yeah, they lost some guys, but the way they've been recruiting, the, you know, they, they seem to be on the same page. It just seems like it's going to be a tough game, and it, it's going to take a Herculean effort from Jake. And does he have it in him? I, I know there's a lot of people in Auburn pulling for him. Uh, you know, a lot of people across the SEC, too, that would like to see Georgia humbled a little bit. Well, I think he, I think he's a bit, he's a really good player. I, I I have not I have not bought in that, that he's an elite an elite quarterback not yet at least. Uh, and uh, and I just think Georgia's got if you just compare the two teams, Georgia's just got just got better players than they do for the most part. Not everywhere, but but for the most part. Now Georgia goes up there and puts it on the ground two or three times. All of a sudden, it's a whole different deal. South Carolina can win, but I think it's going to take something like that. I I don't think that South Carolina can just line up and beat them straight up, and because George is not, George is not going to get caught looking the other way in this game. They they recognize this is a big game, and uh, they will do all they can to be at the top of their game. Yeah, going back to Auburn real quick, guys, do you think Auburn's going to quote unquote figure things out with the running game? Do you think that was just more or less Washington's defense slowing Auburn down? I mean, they still got 147 yards, and they were. They ran the ball effectively when they had to late in the fourth quarter, but are we going to be able to see you know a situation where Auburn's got a 100 yard back more times than not? I think here's well it depends on who they're playing obviously, but I, you know the the times I talked to JB Grimes during the summer, he was very confident that they were going to have a good offensive line, but he wasn't real confident that they were going to have a good offensive line on September 1st. Uh, and I think it's a matter of that of the offensive line, you know, getting more in sync and uh, and those things. And yeah, I, I think I want to be able to run the ball. I don't know if they'll if they'll average two hundred and fifty yards a game or something, but I, I think they'll I think they'll run it. I, I I thought that uh, you know, Washington was really good was part of that, but part of it also was was guys sometimes not running the right right track sometimes uh. Offensive line not communicating those all those kinds of things that you would hope would get better uh, over the course of time. So, uh, I, you know, I've I've never seen a Gus Malzahn team that couldn't run it. So, I'm going to guess that they'll be able to run it uh, well, effectively. That's, that's what I was about to say. I'd be surprised if um, if they weren't running it pretty well by you know by quarter of the way through the season. Um, I think by the LSU game, they're probably going to have to be able to run it in order to win the game. Yeah, you won't be able to protect the quarterback if you can't. That's right, but I, I I'd be surprised if they if they if they weren't able to run the ball. Um, he always he's always figured out a way to do that. Malzahn, that is. Well, we we always thought that they'd have to lean a little bit more on the pass early in the season. You know, kind of the opposite of of last season. So that was the case in week one. If they throw the ball well the first few weeks, that's going to open up the running game. There were no Jets getting somebody involved in a jet sweep, getting a healthy Eli stove, maybe back at some point can change that. So we, you know, we haven't seen the full dynamic of the offense yet either. So I, I, I would suspect they'll throw the, the heck out of the ball early and that'll open some things up and, and the balance will come. But I, I agree with you guys. I don't, I can't imagine there'll be a, there's going to be, it's going to be a season where they're not a, an effective running team at some point. Uh, just real quick going around one more time. What do you guys expect against Alabama state? I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a blowout. Um, I said that once it's about Jacksonville State, but this isn't Jacksonville State. No, um, no, no. So people need to calm down, try to make comparisons about in-state FCS teams. Jacksonville State's on another level. 
But I, I think going into this game, Auburn's just going to try and run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and work on those kinks. What do you guys think? I, I, I would think so. I, I would think you know, they'll throw it some, but I, I would think that, that this this is going to be mostly mostly a running a running game. I, I and I think we'll we'll see some guys we haven't seen probably Asa and uh, uh, maybe more Sean Shivers who they really really they really really are high on and uh, running the ball and maybe more of uh, of uh, Whitlow and probably not a whole lot of Cam Martin. Uh, just if it goes like like expect to. Of course the pro- the only way these games turn into problems is like the Mercer game last year. You go out there and turn it over five times, and then all of a sudden it's it's the fourth quarter and you haven't put the game away. I, I, but I just can't imagine that happening in this game. I'd be very surprised. Though Alabama State will have some athletes now. They yeah. They'll have some guys who can play. Alabama State, uh, by the way, allowed about 300 yards rushing against Tuskegee yeah, I know. this past week. So uh, if Auburn's going to have a big game running the ball, this is this is it. This is definitely it. <laughs> If, if they get stuff Saturday, then next week we can talk about it. But, but, uh, there's some issues there somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the message board if that happens? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for the Auburn Undercover Roundtable. Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure to go to auburnundercover.com for full coverage as we head down the line. And Auburn plays Alabama State. And, of course, the big matchup coming up that a lot of people are already talking about against LSU. Saturday after next. I've been Brandon Marcel. Thanks for joining us.